This is Inside the Natural State, an Arkansas sports podcast. Here are your hosts, Zach and Steve. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Inside the Natural State. Zach and Steve here with you alongside our boy, Will. What's going on over there, big man? Just another week and another loss. Tell me about it. Steve, you good over there, man? Oh, you can do is laugh, my friend. That's, That's what we've been do doing for laugh. the last 30 minutes. <laughs> laugh and smile my abs hurt, whatever they, wherever they are in there. So. Did you just say your ass hurts? No, my abs. Oh, I thought abs. you said your ass hurts. Abs. <laughs> no. Oh, man. This is just a microcosm <laughs> of what's happened over the last hour. Yeah, right. We should be done recording this podcast, and we're just now getting started. <laughs> it's not my fault. <coughs> oh, man. Not Stupid my fault at all. But, uh, hey, did y'all know, I went to the practice for the first time today, and that was a weird kind of ordeal. Well, he's not supposed to touch you there. Oh. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> 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 Poor Will. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, so you went to the... <laughs> okay, then. Woo. Oh, I you told want- you, all we can do is laugh, man, because this football season's been so bad. Do you um, want me to try that one again? We are diving um, off into the shit pond. And, let's just go. Let's oh, just go. <laughs> so, oh. so, so, did the chiropractor adjust you properly? I feel a little bit taller, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, good. Did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> okay, anyway. We don't so, have to start over because no, now we've no, got... No, we already got this thing going. <laughs> People are listening now. So, um, oh man! On other news, what you what you think about that volleyball game this weekend? Because it was good, right? The basketball game? <laughs> no volleyball. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't even matter. Like anything but football, right? <laughs> okay, wait. Okay. On a serious note, so since we're at the beginning of the show and people might still be listening, um, <laughs> like it's become apparent that people think that we're like too negative. So we're trying to lighten some things up. <laughs> Have a little fun, I guess. Like, I mean, but okay. I just I gotta say this because it's been bugging me. And then what you told me earlier, like, what is wrong with a fan being critical? That's what we do. Like, we're, we're well. But the thing is, is they're all like, don't lose your identity, and 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 because multiple people have said that is well, that no. that natural state sports is losing its identity. No, I'm not even talking about us. Like, I'm just talking about in general. It seems like the people that. Like, if you are negative or critical, and, I, and now, I'm, look, I'm not talking about personal attacks, personally, you know, tweeting, Facebook, messaging, players, coaches, anything of that like. Like, I'm not, Family, I'm not talking about spouses. that. Yeah. What, I'm, what I'm talking about is simply watching the game and being critical of what you're seeing out on the field, like, and, and how you feel. And I know that it's, it's, to some point, it's gotten a little over the top. Um, I do think that it's kind of a mob mentality right now with the way that the fan base is frustrated, yeah. rightfully so. And, and so there's some things that I, I want to talk about later in the show, but I just – I don't understand this idea that if you are critical of the program that you're no longer a fan or – Or a Fairweather fan at yeah, that. Yeah, I mean – Will, I, what do you think, man? True fans should have expectations. Yeah, but you're coming, up, you're coming up on a decade of less – I'm not even going to say mediocrity less because – Mediocrity is what six and six at least. I mean, at least. Yeah, I mean, for this program, yeah. I mean, you, you should be able to make. So you're coming up on a, on a day on almost a decade of, of of mediocrity. So the fans are, are going to be. I mean, and you're looking at a, another back to back two and ten, zero oh and sixteen overall. But it's not even so. It's not even the last decade of mediocrity. It's like 
seven years of just really bad football with like a little sprinkling of some fun in there. You know, the, yeah. the Texas Bowl year was about as fun as it got for Bielema. So, I mean, it, it's highly frustrating to watch what we're watching and and be and not be negative. And and not be frustrated. I mean, it's just and, and but to call people like that not fan. I'm still watching. Like okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something real quick. All right, I'm gonna go round table here. Um, and then we're gonna jump into we're gonna jump in in depth in Auburn here in just a few minutes. But give me one. Will give me one. We'll start with you. Give me one positive thing you saw from the Auburn game. Just one. Well, I'd say that actually. Up. Probably through most of the third quarter, the defense didn't totally let go of the rope. Okay. I think that it got to the point where they were too tired. Yeah, which has been... not enough, enough depth <laughs> with our bad offense for the defense to be at there so long. Which has been our MO for the past year and a half. Steve, what about you? You and I were watching the game together. So, what... Give me something positive so people don't think we're just always negative. Let me, let me pull this mic closer to the table where I'm beating my head on. Um, so that's what that noise was. Pretty. Easy, Steve. Easy. Yeah. Easy. So honestly, like I really have a hard time finding positives. I'm so, but but I'll agree with Will. So I remember, a buddy of mine texted me at halftime and was like, "Hey, seventeen nothing's really not bad considering how it started." I mean, honestly, it really wasn't. I mean, we really we, we gave them two easy touchdowns to start the game. But you know that Gus Malzahn was going easy on his old buddy Chad. I, you did get. I, I got that feel. I got the feel that they were they weren't opening up the offense like they no. normally would. But again, regardless, whether he was or he wasn't, I mean, the defense did respond really in the second and third quarters. I thought the defense played really well. The right. offense just never got going, <laughs> um, and that's something that I you know that I want to talk about you know later on in the show too, or I guess we'll talk about here in a minute, but. Um, you know, as we start thinking about the way the game went. But, um, yeah, I mean, the defense to me would be the only true positive in that little bit of – I mean, what else is there? There's really nothing there. Like, I don't know, nothing. I get I, – I, I don't know. So, what, 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 do you, what do you got? Well, the band looked good. The band, I didn't even see the band. Cheerleaders looked okay. <laughs> uh, oh, boy. Don't listen, Katie. Well, I mean, <laughs> I got I got nothing. I mean, that's where I'm 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 really stretching here to try to find something. I mean, I don't. Like I said I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know. You know, or I don't. I, I don't. I don't know. It's I can't figure out anything positive really to take from that game. In my opinion, yeah, you got to be fifty-one to ten. I mean, there's yeah. not a lot of positives there. Yeah. You know, at this at this point though, I mean, there's no way. There's nothing. There, there's there's it, it, it's you're grasping at straws. Yeah. Well, so so moving on a little bit, we we talked about kind of our keys to the game on the preview show last Thursday. Um, we talked about you know what we expected, and you know from so so initially from my perspective, I didn't want to see a fifty. Well, I shouldn't say initially. A blowout was something that I thought this this team couldn't afford. Um, that to, it would it would seem like the staff may be losing this team. I don't. I didn't come out of the game feeling like that. It's like we got our butts kicked. I mean, we just we played terrible. But I didn't feel like this was a fifty-one to ten game, much like the Mississippi State and Missouri blowouts of the end of last year, where right. where the team you could see people quitting on the field. This was a talent discrepancy problem. And well, but Auburn was also a top 15 team, and 
realistically, if you're a top 15 team going up against, you know, an Arkansas like we are, yeah, there's no realistic expectations for us to win. Now, I get it. Every, and anything can happen on any given Sunday or Saturday. <laughs> but, I mean, at this point, they were firing on all cylinders. I mean, they're, they they came in 5-1. and one. I mean... Yeah, I mean, and, and again, I'm not. I'm, I don't want people to to miss to to misunderstand. I'm not upset that we lost the game. I never had any expectations no. that we would win or that we would really be overly competitive. Like, I just hoped that we would find a way to stay within twenty. You know, right around that number, not forty-one at home. I mean, that's no. just that's rough. But again, to me, these two games, Auburn and Alabama, really don't mean a darn thing because you know you're losing them. Yeah. Um, and, and so, well, you, you and even you remember when we broke down the, the season at the beginning of the year, I said Auburn, Alabama, and LSU were all going to be L's. Well, I mean, that no one, yeah, I mean, no one questioned that. I, I mean, I think so. As you think about the way the game went, though, I think that's where the questions really come in. Um, you know, Ben Hicks was 19 of 39 with a soul. That's, now he's got a soul, shoulder injury. That, that's not good. <coughs> now. That wasn't all on Ben Hicks. The offensive line was atrocious, as it's the first been all year. two drive. The first two drives were I I, I got worried. Well, because well, think about it. What we had heard beginning at the uh, beginning of the week, going forward into that game, of the possibility of players quitting, not doing their job, just going through motions. We didn't know what to expect coming into this game. Well, I mean, yeah. And, okay, so let's think about some of that from last week, too. We recap a little bit of that. I don't know how much of that was kind of overreaction, reading into too much into things. I mean, I know that people were told and we've been heard certain things. And, and who knows? Maybe it all comes out by the end of the year when, when some guys end up transferring. Who knows? Um, but what I like to see was that, I mean, the team responded. I, I, again, 51 to 10 doesn't look like the team responded, but I, the team – uh, they played well in spurts. And, and, again, they played a really good Auburn team who just kicked our butts. And we had no business beating them, but we also had no business losing by 41. Right. Um, but, I mean, yeah, so the first part of the game, I mean, you you get the ball and Hicks gets sacked, fumbles the football. Auburn gets it right back, gets the ball. Well, no, I don't even down. think it was a sack. I think somebody grabbed his arm and, and he just dropped the ball. Well, it got knocked out, but it was a sack. It was counted yeah. as a sack. Okay. So he sacked the ball. Auburn scores on three plays. Um, we get we go three and out. Auburn gets the ball back. They score in three plays, 63 yards. I still say the play of the game was C.J. O'Grady's near fumble and re-catch yeah. into the end zone. Yeah. So, and then the offense goes three and out, but then we hold them on downs. Then we go three and out. They kick a field goal. We threw a pick. They missed a field goal. And then we went nine plays, 27 yards, and punted. So, I mean, it wasn't a great – Start obviously, we didn't put ourselves in good position, but again, when you look at the game, you look at the execution, and you look at some of the issues around you know what happened. Arkansas's problems right now revolve around the offensive line, so there's saying that forever, yeah. And and I mean, and again, so the question though at this point is, is this something that like a guy like Dustin Fry, who's your offensive line coach, should be held accountable for? Or is this simply the fact that they we've known they were – so, number one, they lacked depth before this year. Now that they have depth, but it's all new depth, So and you're still having to play a lot of the old guys, you're still playing basically a defensive tackle at left guard um, in, in Austin Caps. I mean, he's one year removed from being a defensive tackle. Right. So, 
Caps is your left guard. Um, Colton Jackson has just absolutely been gotten his butt kicked and has fought injuries, you know, his entire career. He's hurt again, so he's got back issues now. So it looks like Myron Cunningham will move to left tackle again, which is probably where he needs to play. He played most of the second half at left tackle and looked really good. Um, now you're going to be starting a new left guard in Kirby Adcock more than likely because Caps is in concussion protocol. So, um, so I mean, the offensive line is a mess right now, and it's been a mess, and that's where the problems start. You can't run the ball. When your quarterback can't even do a three-step drop, I mean, without a defensive tackle being in his face immediately, there's really nothing you can do. I mean, and so, again, as I said, I don't know that we're overly – negative towards this program like we started off. I mean, no, I'm trying just, to give you some reasons here right now. Uh, this is not me trying to be negative. I mean, I'm, I'm going to lay out some things in a little bit that I think – We're basically calling it like we see it. I mean, yeah. and that's that's all we can do because we are. We're just – we're and, and it goes back to uh, our tagline, for the fans, by the fans. That's it. Nobody here acts like they know everything. We just, as an average fan, we just sit down and, and call it like we see it. Well, and we are fans, and we are reacting as fans, and so there will be times when we will react in an emotional way that maybe, you know, we think about it later, and, you know, we say people say and do things in an emotional moments all the time. Now, again, that's not excusing anyone. There's not been anyone on our team, but that is not excusing anyone for, for you know, making personal attacks at, at like players that. and recruits and, and, and such. So, you know, that's unacceptable. We're not going to play that game. Do you realize – the thought just occurred to me, and, Will, did you, did you realize this too – Chad Morris is known for special team blunders. Well, it was the North. Well, no, it was the North Texas fair catch, fake fair catch last year. Right. And then Saturday, for some ungodly reason, Sam Loy decided he was not going to punt. He was going to have a bad pitch. I mean, did y'all did y'all notice that that we two two years now? Yeah, and it's embarrassing and it's frustrating. The so the one last year is. It's not really – you can't really defend it, but it's something that you could understand happening. You know, I guess so. What happened Saturday made zero sense. So, I've read since, and we'll have Hutch on in a little bit, um, but I read some of what Hutch wrote uh, today, and apparently they've been practicing that play for a while to the point where like two weeks ago or three weeks ago, they told the media that they, during their open portion of practice, that they weren't allowed to film anything going on because they were working on a special play. Please, God, tell me that wasn't it. That was the play. And then later, when the media actually saw it being run, they were like, somebody said, there's no way that play will ever work in a game. Like, no way. And then they still practice it. And other media members saw it and was like, oh, my goodness, no. And then they still ran the friggin' play. So, again, when we want to start talking about being critical and saying things, there are some decision-making things that you got to be like, what? Like, what? I mean, where in the world did you ever think that play was going to work? Like, so, I don't totally think it was asinine to call that play, maybe in that particular situation, but so think about it. Whoa, were we? Twenty-point underdog at home to Auburn. Yeah. So, you know, most fans in time are going to gripe about, you know, being such big underdogs that why, why didn't we try some things to, to offset, you know, the crazy defense of Auburn or you know, the offense's lack of of moving the ball. So, I, 
the play was stupid. Um, the way they were set up, like it was a basketball shot or something. Well, you know, if you go, stupid. yeah, if you go back and watch the play, I know what they were trying to do. There was a running back that ran right. Yeah, well, right yeah I mean, yeah, no, he just they overpitched it. Is all it was. Well, but, but that, that that was a blown play from the from the snap anyway. Like some of the media guys have said that it it looked that horrible every time they tried it in practice. Yeah. So I don't. I'm not. I'm not critical of them. Running the play, maybe when they did it, and the play selection, but the whole idea of you know trying to convert a fake punt—it's not totally crazy on my part. Just because we are such underdogs, we're you know staring a horrible t- tenure under Chad Morris. But didn't it look like we were just grasping at straws at that well, point? Well, at this point, that's what you have to do. Okay, oh. so that'll that begs me to question. Why are we not playing some of the young guys that he promised we're going to get playing time? Guys like KJ Jefferson. I mean, and the thing is, is he comes out and he says, well, if they were going to play a few snaps, that would burn their red shirt. Does he not know the rule? Yes, he knows the rule. This is stuff that's been getting thrown around on social media that people have tried. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to go in a soapbox. All right, let me get comfortable. Frust- Hold on a minute. Because I'm frustrated with, with, with certain. So I feel it's like, me. You're frustrated no, with me. I, Just admit I it. Feel like the, no. yeah, I feel like the fans, I mean, we're at it. We've come to a point where people are literally, like you're talking about the coaching straws. grasping at, at straws. I, like the fans are grasping at anything and everything they can to, and, and they're reading into everything. And they're just, they're blowing everything up into something. I mean, can you blame them at this point, though? Well, okay. But that, that, that brings me to my point, though, is the lack of information that truly comes out from the university, from the football from So we talked about this in the preseason before the season started. We were talking about access to practice, and, and we talked, well, we may not want to really know what all's going on. Well, I've kind of changed my tune now. Like, there are certain things that I think we should know what's going on, like why certain guys aren't playing. You know, people have complained because Morris goes into the postgame press conferences and says the same old line. Well, I didn't feel like he said the same old line this week. He talked about how bad we were, how we aren't good enough. How, I mean, he. I, I didn't even watch. I, I couldn't. Well, but it, it wasn't. It, it's it, been because it's been such the same mediocrity thing of him going in and going, we didn't deserve to win. Give credit to the fans that showed up. Give credit to Auburn. They're a good football team. Blah, 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 I mean, blah. He, and he said some things like that, but he also made comments to the fact that, look, we're just not good enough to be to play that bad. I mean, he was – he did kind of lay into the team and their lack of execution. And and so – but my point is that we don't know what's going on. Where's we that emotion we, on the sideline? Well, I'm not worried about it. I don't need a guy. Look, you want to see emotion on the sidelines? You watch the Tennessee game? Yeah, and, and if freaking people are losing their mind over nothing, but that—that's what we don't want. We're already in enough trouble with what we have going on. We don't want the perception that Jeremy Pruitt's now getting—that's unwarranted. He had no one should be mad about what Jeremy Pruitt did. But Jimbo people, Fisher did the exact same uh, thing. Jimbo Fisher did it ten times worse than, than Pruitt did. Jimbo Fisher nearly pulled that kid to the ground. All all Pruitt did was uh, kind of yanked the bottom yeah, he, of his, the, his, his face mask. It wasn't a big deal at all. But but my point. So I don't care about the emotion side. It, you know, Morris. That's not Morris's style, and that's fine. Not every coach is going to be the same. I don't care about that part. My, my point is, is that I'm sick and tired of the, the, the lack of communication from not just Morris, from not just the coaching staff, but from, from, the, from the administration, from everybody else, because what we're left with is cryptic tweets that can't be confirmed or cryptic information that continues to come out. I'll give you a prime example. I'm not sitting here trying to spread rumors. This is not what I want. That's not what I'm here to do. That's not what any of us are here to do. I don't right. like to do that. But we had a big decommitment over the weekend. Yep. In Martavis French. Okay? Well, so 
It wasn't, and, and, and so everybody got all up in arms when French decommitted because right after Danny West and all the other recruiting folks went out and interviewed him, and he's like, oh, I had a great time trying to get these other guys to come with us. And then within like an hour, French is putting on, on Twitter that he's decommitted. Well, so then soon after that, rumors start swirling, and it comes out that supposedly this is supposedly been confirmed by recruiting experts on message boards. I've seen the these recruiting experts give their supposed confirmation, but we're still left to figure out. So the rumor is, is that French and the two teammates with him stole items from players in the locker room. Now, I'm not saying this is true. I don't know if it is true because the problem is, is no one will confirm it. Well, the, but the news gets out and it makes, so the fan base is left to do one thing and, and then outsiders left to look at it and go, was Arkansas just making up crap so they can make this losing three big-time linebacker prospects look less bad than it is? Like, or did this really happen? Now, here's my thing. If a kid goes up there on a recruiting visit and and does a couple of ungreat things while he's there, and, it, you know, it's nothing bad. It's nothing that's breaking the law, but it's enough that the, the, the staff is like, I don't think we want this guy. And, and they decide to part ways and say you don't have a committable scholarship. I can understand that because it's that there's a personal reason between the coach and staff. Well, where does that all? But, where does that all? Who changes but, that? But so no. But so here's the thing. So, but if a kid goes in, if kids go in and they steal from you, and that's the narrative that you're putting out, right? And that that needs to be confirmed and told because. Everyone needs to know that these kids are thieves or not thieves because here's what happens. Now they're going to be labeled as thieves. There's people calling them thugs and other stupid crap online. But no one knows the truth because the staff or whoever put this out in a cryptic way is leading other people to to say that their unnamed sources are telling them that this or that happened. But no one can confirm it. So... Again, now we're stuck with a ton more misinformation that gets out into the Twitter sphere, out into the social media, that we're all arguing about, about who's right and who's wrong and whose source is right and whose source is wrong. And, it, and so now we're infighting about other stupid stuff and not paying attention to what's going on on the football field. And, and the fact that that's where our focus needs to be, well, now the entire fan base is basically imploding on itself because we're arguing over stuff that we don't know. No better? Sure. Sure. He did a hell of a job, didn't he, Will? <sighs> he did something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, did you take a br- I don't think he took a breath during all of that. I just, it just frustrates me. I hate it, but, the misinformation. But, but that's the thing, okay? I can't disagree with you at all because it's a very valid point. But where do you, how do you rectify that? I mean, does it start in the AD, the SID, the head coach? I mean, again, I know there, so I know there are a lot of things that – does don't need to be said. I mean, I don't want I don't want Hunter Yurichek coming out today and saying, "Well, you know, Chad Morris better win four games the rest of the year. He's fired." That, that because now you're putting unne- unnecessary pressure. Chad Morris knows what he needs to do to succeed. Him and Hunter Yurichek have had those conversations. And, and whatever ends up happening at the end of the season is going to happen. So there's nothing us as fans can do to change that other than not going to games and not spending money. And if that's what you want to do, that's your prerogative. I'm not going to tell you not to because I, I it's find your it, money. I find it funny that the quote-unquote announced attendance for the game uh, yeah. with Auburn was like 54-610. Yeah. There couldn't have been more than 20,000 people. No, there were way more than 20,000. There was there was 45,000 at least, 40,000, 45,000. So, um, but then that's just – that's what they've always had to do. They've always, they've always done the um, – 
They, they've always done the, the paid attendance, and that's how they do the announce. So, I mean, well, that's always been an argument. It is what it is. But um, it, so, so, I mean, my point on the, on the misinformation is, you know, open practice up. I mean, at least most of your practice. You don't have to have every practice open. But open practice is up enough that the fan base can get in or that the media can get in and give an unbiased report of what's happening in practice. Because if guys knew that K.J. Jefferson was – if, if guys knew that K.J. Jefferson was working with the scout team all season, then we would know we would understand why K.J. Jefferson's not a viable starter against an Auburn, Alabama. And I think we all understand why, but because we don't really know what's going on in practice. We, we See, i got to disagree with that. I'm going to stop you there for a second. Tyler Wilson, what? Tyler Wilson made his first start against Alabama. I don't care. Auburn. Okay. Or was it Auburn? And it wasn't a start either. He came in for a hurt. Mallet. No, he started that game. He Mallet started had a concussion. He, no, Mallet, Mallet had, a had a concussion the week before. Yeah, and Tyler started. Yeah, it. yeah, Tyler started the, the look that it game. up, but I, I don't because I, we were at that game. But I Tyler was a starter from the beginning. Look at how look at how Tyler Wilson turned out. Okay, it's but a shot in the dark. It now, is. If, if 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 legitimacy reads into it and and KJ is not ready, that's one thing. But you've got nothing to lose going into the last four games. You know you're not going to win against Alabama. You you know regardless of if Tua plays or not. What? Y'all were wrong. Okay. Okay. What? It's been a long time ago. That's that was fine. that was like but, but that was regar- years ago. But, but regardless, I don't like. There's there's nothing there's nothing saying, just start freshman the last four games. You got nothing to but lose. That, you're, here. But okay, you're talking about the last four games now. But you were talking before that. You were talking about Auburn, Alabama. That's a totally different story. We'll we'll get into a conversation here in a few minutes where where we'll talk about the last four games. But we talked last week about starting KJ Jefferson in this game, and I really didn't have a problem with it because I thought. If you're really trying to show something, then then play the guy. But from a from the perspective of 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 doing what's right for the for the program, not just KJ Jefferson, but what's doing right for the program, you're you're not winning. Honestly, the reason that Nick Starkle started that game, I really I I, and I could be wrong, but at the end of the day, this may be completely wrong. But the reason Nick, Star, I mean I mean Ben Hicks started this game against Auburn, is because this coaching staff knows that. Ben Hicks obviously isn't going to be here next year. Why would you run Nick Starkle, who will be here next year unless something happens, or K.J. Jefferson out in the game against an Auburn who your offensive line can't block and they're getting murdered? Why would you put either of the guys that you want back here next year in that situation? Yeah, I can see that. Uh... Boy, we even jumped into a lot of things in the first half, didn't we? We have, and we got a lot more to cover. Coming up (laughs) next, we're going to be joined by Andrew Hutchinson of hogbeat.com. Stay tuned. Subscribe to Inside the Natural State and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat at Natural State Sports. Welcome back to Inside the Natural State. Joining Zach and Steve is Andrew Hutchinson of Hogbeat.com. You can find him on Twitter at NWA Hutch. What's going on, Hutch? How are you tonight, man? Oh, I'm doing good. Got the, got the maternity photos taken with the wife this uh, this evening, and, and now just kind of relaxing and gearing up for uh, what might be a uh, ugly weekend for Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know that we want to talk about Alabama at this point. Like, hold, hold, wait, 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 wait. Maternity picks. I know, I was going to get that too. I was like, how, how, how far <laughs> along are we here? Uh, 36 weeks 
uh, oh, man. this oh. Tuesday. So uh, we're we're closing in on the the home stretch. So have you got a name picked out? Yeah, it's it's a baby girl, and we're going to be calling her Holland. Awesome! Nice. I like the so, name. Well, congratulations. Yeah, we're, we're we're excited. We're, we've got the nursery all set up, and uh, we we seem to be we seem to be pretty uh, pretty as ready as we'll ever be. I guess you could say. Yeah. So <laughs> you're never ready. I can tell you that you're never ever ready. How, how many? How many? If you think, if you think you didn't have time for podcasts before, <laughs> whoo, you woo. definitely don't have time. Tell for me about anything. So how, how many? How many? How many bad words did you say putting the crib together? Because it always happens. <laughs> The the crib itself wasn't that difficult. Some of the other stuff, like we got some of those uh, those floating shelves uh, that you oh, have to like yeah. screw the screw in, and you have to like have it just match up just right and get it on. Now that one, that one, I said quite a few four letter words. Uh, <laughs> it was it was not fun. I think we've all been there a time or two. Oh, well, Hutch, man. give us a kind of a feel of, I guess the aura, the attitude of the team coming out of Auburn. Um, the uh the press conference earlier uh earlier today yeah i mean it's hard to say right now uh, we'll probably get a better feel for it when we talk to a few of the players uh, after tuesday's practice but just kind of getting it from from chad and the two coordinators i'm it's really much of the same which i think is what fans are kind of upset about because that's <laughs> just how chad is is his press conferences are all the exact same and so uh, really, it, I think we'll, we'll get a better feel for it. And again, I don't think we're going to really get a good feel for, for how they're handling things this week because, I mean, I don't care how fired up and ready you are, ready to go you are, whenever you're playing Alabama. So, Not to I mention think it is couple, in Tuscaloosa. <laughs> exactly. So that, that's probably going to go poorly no matter what. Uh, I'm more anxious to see what it looks like whenever they play Mississippi State and Western Kentucky because – you know, that's, that's going to tell us if this team is, is still kind of in it or if they, they've mailed it in. And, and, and I'm honestly not quite sure. The, the way they looked against Auburn was not exactly encouraging. The fact that they lost was not surprising. The way they lost and how they lost by 41 points, that kind of surprised me. I didn't think Auburn was going to hang half a hundred on Arkansas. I thought it was going to be – I thought they would cover. I think that's – Spreading up like 19, 19 and a half, something like that. I thought they would cover. I thought they'd win by three touchdowns, uh, but not by 41. That that kind of surprised me. Yeah, that's so that was my, as we talked about it last week, we, we talked about that and expectation for that game. And I thought, you know, 40, a 40 plus point beat down would not look good for where this team's head is or where they are mentally. I don't, I don't even know that I get that feel after the game either, though. I just feel like we got our brains beat in i don't know like you said i don't know that we can can really glean from that what the what you know what's gonna you know where this team is but i'm with you i think that starting that last four stretch mississippi state and moving forward is going to be the biggest the most important kind of little time frame of morris's tenure um because he's got some opportunities do you are you are you in the camp of of getting kj in there those last four whether it be in a starting role or 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 you know as a backup yeah, I feel like they really need to, to get them in there in some form or fashion. I don't think you throw them in there as a starter. Uh, I don't think he's quite ready for that. I mean, I was talking to somebody uh, the other day, and I was like, you know, I don't think KJ is even uh, as ready as maybe a Connor Nolan or a John Stephen Jones were last year as true freshmen. And we saw what they looked like. I mean, Connor looked okay, you know, considering he was a true freshman, started the one game. 
uh, but KJ, he's he's not quite as ready. He comes from a, a smaller school, you know, 3A in Mississippi. Uh, he was good. I think he's talented, but I don't know if he's ready for like a full blown like, hey, here's the keys to the car, uh, run with it. I think he's more of a you figure out a package for him, uh, something kind of like that, give him a small role. And then as he gets more comfortable, like if it goes well against Mississippi State, maybe you double his snaps or something against uh, Western Kentucky, and then you keep expanding it uh, depending on how he how he fares. I think that's probably what they should do, and I think they will do because at this point, if you're Chad Morris, you got to give people, whether it be administration, the media, fans, you got to give people a reason to be optimistic for the future. And right now, K.J. Jefferson is the future. Uh, Nick Starkle has another year to play, and people thought that maybe he would be the, the future, at least the short-term future. Uh, but it hasn't exactly played out that way. And so I think we're going to see some K.J. Jefferson at, at some point, probably over the last four games. I don't, I don't think you throw him to the Wolves against Alabama, especially if you didn't do it against uh, Auburn. Uh, so I think we're going to see it those, those last, that last stretch uh, of the season since, since you can with that new NCAA rule. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I caught myself or I was reading through your, the, the 10 thoughts that you guys put out. And I think the first one that you put out was talking about how long they went with Hicks. Um, and I, I couldn't help but wonder throughout if it was a situation where they knew, look, we're going to play Hicks in these two games because you, I mean, do you feel that they'll, that we'll see much of Hicks after the Alabama game? I think so, because it seems like they feel like Ben Hicks gives them the best chance to win. Uh, I think they're going to put that guy out there because, you know, whether the fans have already thrown this season in, they're like, you know what, this season's trash, it's it's horrible, let's uh, move on to basketball and stuff. But the coaches can't think like that. The coaches are like, man, we're we're still trying to coach for our job. You know, we want to be able to to be here next year and, you know, have a, a year three. And so... I think that they're they're going to play the quarterback that they believe gives them the best chance to win, which is why I was a little surprised that Ben Hicks was still in the game, especially there late in the fourth quarter when the outcome was decided. I mean, at that point, I understand maybe not putting in Nick Starkle because you know it's, you don't put in a guy like that late. That's kind of that would be kind of a almost kind of a disrespectful type type deal. I understand not putting KJ in because they may already have something planned for those last four games, but why not put in John Stevens, give him some reps. You know, he's at practice every day, give him some reps. And then uh, if, you know, uh, against that scary defensive line, because Ben Hicks was still back there getting hit. And, you know, now he's a little banged up, uh, you know, with his status for the Alabama game is, is kind of up in the air for right now. Um, But we'll see, we'll see kind of, how they handle it. But yeah, I was a little surprised that they, they didn't put in John Steven at the end of that game to preserve Ben Hicks health. Well, and something that I saw too, there at the end when they put, they kept Hicks in, I thought the other part that was really strange to me was they tried to run like an inside zone play with TJ Hammonds in that scenario late in the game. And it ended up resulting in the fumble and, and, and Auburn recovered it, but it was just, I thought, man, why in the world, one, why do you still have Hicks in with two minutes to go in the game? And then two, why are you trying to run a guy like TJ Hammonds between the, between the tackles? Like that just, some of the decisions exactly. just make me shake that, my That head, didn't make man. any sense to me at all either. Yeah. I think that was more of just a matter of they were just trying to run the clock out. And, you know, that was, they, they probably called the play as if it was Rakeem or Devois in there. And they're like, you know, we're going to run this play 
and just to get the clock out. But I remember the player talking about. It, and I remember just thinking, you know, why is Ben in there? Because yeah. you know you don't want him to to get hit and hurt, and then then you're stuck playing a guy that you don't think is as good and doesn't give you as good of a chance to win. Well, and while we're on the topic of um, decision making, so I re- <laughs> was reading through y'all the top, the ten. So on the fake punt. Um, oh boy. <laughs> How was that? A, I mean, I'm reading what you guys were talking, what you're saying, and the fact that they had ran it in practice and it looked as bad as it did. And uh, why? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, it was so bad. It was so bad. Oh, I mean, I was. I, it was. It was one of those things where it's like, man, that's going to be the play that gets shown over and over and over again. And I mean, you know, I was I was eating uh, dinner at Buffalo Wild Wings with my my family this uh, this evening and. Sure enough, before Monday Night Football, they do the Come On Man segment, and, and there it was, you know, on national television, on ESPN, for millions of people to see. Uh, I, I don't get it. I mean, the 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 play itself was on a fourth and eleven. So even if you complete the pass, you've got to get eleven yards uh, to get the first down. You're in uh, Auburn territory, or you're in your own territory at that time. So you're going to give Auburn good good field position if you don't get it. It was just all around a weird, weird thing. And plus, the play design was just so strange and just not really pleasant on the eyes. And, and as I said in the, uh, on, on Hogbeat, is that they ran it a few times in practice that we got to see, like during the 20-minute the viewing portion for the, for the media. And I don't think they really looked smooth and efficient with it in practice, uh, which should have been a red flag, but... Yeah, you know what they they call it, and it's uh, it unfolded about as as well as I thought it was going to. And that's where it find it so hard to defend. And then what was crazy was it was like it was not long after that when they went for it on fourth down with that really cool CJ O'Grady play where like that CJ sneaks in cool. as the quarterback under center and takes a snap and like I'm like okay, so you do got some creativity that might work, and then you run that <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's 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 yeah. Anyway, I don't, the decision making at times just blows my mind. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, um, Hutch, I want to kind of shift gears because I've I'm I'm gonna let football go for a week and and hone in on the Musselman era of basketball. What did you think of the whole ceremony in that game Sunday? Oh, it was awesome. Uh, the whole the whole ceremony, the way Arkansas handled it. You know, we, we sometimes criticize the, the U of A for things they do, uh, but they did that excellently. I mean, I know some people wanted the slobber and hog, you know, at midcourt, you know, where it used to be, but uh, instead they they have the state outline. Uh, you can We can argue about the state outline all the time. I don't think it looks terrible. Uh, it, it doesn't but look bad, but I, it, it, I have my issues with it. But overall, I mean, I, I – I really think that that it everything lined out great. The game yeah. itself, as far as the team, how is Desi Sills? I mean, I know he got injured in that game. Do we know the extent of it? Well, luckily he's not actually injured. It was just cramps. Oh, uh, he okay. was he was cramping up, and, and Musselman said after the game he was he was in a good mood. Musselman was joking, saying something like, "Oh, we just got to get him some potassium." <laughs> uh, so he, he should be good to go. Uh, it was probably just one of those deals where it was you know, your first game and he was playing a bunch of minutes and probably just got, got a little uh, dehydrated and, and uh, cramped up a little bit. 
Yeah, and and when when he went down and the trainer grabbed his leg and put, you could hear him holler. I don't know where you were sitting. I think you were, were you up in the media section. I think. Oh yeah, I was up in the media. So I was pretty far away. <laughs> but we were, like I said, we were on the court uh, a little bit opposite from you, sitting right next to the UALR bench. And when he went, when the trainer straightened out Desi's leg, you could hear Desi scream. Oh yeah, cramp those those things. Those yeah. things are not fun. I mean, I remember getting them in, in high school. I mean, I got one after a game and it was just like I, I i was almost in tears i mean those things are painful oh so, yeah uh it hopefully hopefully it's just a matter of you know first first game type of deal and he wasn't fully ready to go beforehand and you know he will be from from here on out so they'll probably make make sure of it they'll probably you know joke with him a little bit and give him a hard time but i think he'll be ready to go and just fine you know for for friday's exhibition and then moving into the regular season right so when we talk about this basketball team and the fact that they're obviously going to be extremely reliant on the three-point shot, um, you know, previous teams were pretty reliant on the three-point shot under Mike. So give me some reason to be excited about why it's different, that even though we'll see some droughts at times from the three-point, we won't see the, 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 the lack of execution we saw at times under Mike when we saw those droughts. Well, I think one big thing and one thing that a lot of people are, are talking about is, is there's going to be at least some semblance of a half-court offense. Uh, they're not, that's not going to be their strength. That's something Musselman even said. Uh, but they're going to have actual you know, plays drawn up, uh, things like that. It's not just you know, uh, kind of a, a free-for-all. And you know, I, I think Mike had some plays. I don't think it's truly – I don't think all the criticism is 100% fair. But I also think that there's no comparison between what they had last year to this year in terms of just discipline uh, and, and things like that. So I think they're gonna they're gonna have some semblance of a half court offense, but there is gonna be long droughts. Uh, that's just gonna be a fact of life uh, with this team because they're gonna live and die by the three pointer. It's gonna be very very exciting some games, and it's also gonna be very 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 frustrating uh, some other games when they when they can't hit the broad side of a barn. Uh, so it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting interesting team to follow. I think it's going to be an exciting team to follow. Uh, but yeah, you're just gonna you're gonna have to get ready for some long scoring droughts. I'll just tell you that right now. And uh, it's not going to be fun. But you know, I, I think they're also capable of maybe beating some teams they shouldn't beat if they get hot from three point land. So how excited should we as Razorback fans be that Jimmy Witt Jr. is back in a Razorback jersey? That's not a fair question. <laughs> yeah, uh, he is. He's going to be special, I think. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, he's only going to be here for a year as a grad transfer. Uh, but he, he just—he's completely different than the player I remember. What was it, three, four years ago when he was here? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He still—he still has an ugly shot. I mean, his free throw <laughs> shot was just. Horrendous. I was going to say the same thing. It, it looked, I think someone pointed out on our message board that it looked like the way Sam Loy passed the ball on the face. <laughs> yes, that is exactly. Was, oh, man. It was horrible. It was just not pretty at all. However, the good thing is, is he doesn't try to shoot. Like, you know, everyone remembers Gabo Savoyan because, you know, he chunked up three-pointers whenever he wanted to. That's not going to be what Jimmy Whist does. He's going to take one or two, you know, every now and then. But that's not his game. He's going to attack the basket. He's going to finish at the basket. He can he can finish in traffic, and he can also kick out and distribute, uh, kick it out to shooters, guys like Isaiah Joe and 
uh, Gene Tostilla and Mason Jones, even though, you know, Stilla and Jones didn't have great shooting nights the other night. Those are going to be guys that are going to benefit from Jimmy Witt. And I just think that that's, that's great. And then if you just talk about what he can do as a rebounder, I mean, Eric Musselman says he thinks he's the best uh, rebounding point guard in the country. And I would not disagree with him based on what we saw. I mean, he had eight rebounds in the first half the other day, eight of them as a point guard. And he ended up with nine. So he only had one in the second half, but he still led the team with nine rebounds. Uh, with a, For a team that's not going to rebound very well, he's going to be a huge, huge key to Arkansas this year. And I think he's going to end up playing a ton of minutes. Yeah, I, uh, I, I've got to agree with you with the Jimmy Witt free throws that he had. <laughs> We're coming from the chest. <laughs> I was sitting there going, that looks similar to what we saw on the football field yesterday. <laughs> but uh, no, and I agree with you. It's going to be an exciting, uh, uh, an exciting year. But uh, Hutch, ma'am, you bring some great stuff to us every week, and we thank you for it, my man. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. All right, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. Hi, man. Have a good week. Talk to you. Talk to you later, guys. Subscribe to Inside the Natural State and give us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat at Natural State Sports. We, the people, stand tall, equal, and free. In pursuit of happiness. And premium American spring water. Mineral-rich, revitalizing goodness. With a naturally detoxifying high alkalinity. And 7.8 pH. Bottled in glass. To oxygenate our brave, proud selves. The healer and hydrator of. We. 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 The people. The Mountain Valley spring water. Back to the source. Welcome back to Inside the Natural State. That was Andrew Hutchinson of hogbeat.com. You can find him on Twitter, at NWA Hutch. Dude's always got good stuff coming to us, man. Yeah, he's good, man. He's got some good stuff. Y'all should definitely jump on Hogbeat. Good stuff. stuff. So, we're continuing our discussion into the football program. And we're just going to wipe out Alabama because we know that's going to be a loss. Yeah. Okay. I want to talk about the last four games. Okay. What do you do if you're Coach Morris? Well, I think you so this is so this is where my pathway and this is actually I've had this conversation with a lot of people on social media over All the right. last few days. Um, my thought process does not begin on what where this stat. So I know I've you know we've all emotionally made comments, you know, Morris should be fired. I made the comments after that stupid punt, the fake punt, that they should just fire them all because we're not a high school program. But so looking Yeah, I noticed that. So looking forward realistically though, judgment for Morris will come in the last four games. And and that judgment doesn't necessarily have to be in wins. So I'm going to lay out, in my opinion, what Morris has to do to keep his job and, and to succeed at least into year three. Number one, do not play K.J. Jefferson against Alabama. Period. End of story. I don't care for any I, I wholeheartedly so, agree. But starting with Mississippi State, K.J. Jefferson is your starter going forward. Either K.J., or Starkle. Ben Hicks should never play another down at the University of Arkansas unless those two guys get hurt, period. So There's another quarterback in there. I d- I'm not getting into that because that other quarterback is not a viable candidate to be a starter or any type of backup in this offense. So, 
you you to me because ba- based on what the offensive line cannot do and right. what they somewhat can do, to me it makes more sense to play KJ Jefferson. Because he is a dual threat. And any freshman that does not have their four games played yet. Now, if you can salvage and save using their red shirts, like say a guy's already played two, like, you know, Jalen Catalan, who's, you know, played plays for, you know, a kneel down basically. He's, if, I don't know how many games he has left to play, if it's two or three, but regardless, if he has two, you play two. And he plays a lot. It's not just token go in there and play at the end of the game. Okay, but you still have. You still have LSU thrown in there. Do you Doesn't still, matter. You still throw KJ out there yeah, and throw absolutely. Catalan out there against LSU. Yeah, and, and and the thing is, is really the only one that we're most that we're really concerned with is is KJ. Everybody wants to see what KJ can do, and and I think the staff needs to have him on the field to see what he can do. You have four games, three of which are winnable in nature. Like when you look at them, you think, okay, those are games that Arkansas could probably win: Western Kentucky, Missouri, and Mississippi State. Mississippi State's not had a good year. Missouri just got beat by Vandy and then with Western Kentucky, you should win that game. So when you look at the last four games, to me, there's two things that have to happen. One, wins. If you win, then everyone shuts up. So, but Well, I I disagree with that. Okay, everyone doesn't shut up. But if you win three of your last four, you've won five games, you're headed in the right direction, you could possibly still go to a bowl game at five and seven. So, um if you have other teams that don't that don't get eligible for a bowl game, they will pick from five and seven teams that are eligible. So Arkansas could still theoretically get into a bowl game at five and seven. It would calm the fan base down. But and you could thing, salvage the season. At you that. could salvage the season. You could salvage recruiting. And, and so and then you have the opportunity to build on that going into next year. Fans will calm down. Fans won't be as upset. So, but the other way without wins is. You put the freshmen in, and they create an excitement and a buzz. And the offense that we've been promised at least kind of looks like it. You don't – I mean, even if we lose – because people know that the defense is not great, but the offense is also not great. There's multiple reasons why they're not great. It's not just the coordinators. So there's a lot of gaps on both sides in talent. So to me, you throw you throw everything you've got out onto the field, and, and you let these guys play. You let these freshmen play. You make sure they get their four games. There's no reason not to play them unless they're hurt. And if if you lose to Missouri 63 to 60, so be it. You know how much excitement the people would still be mad because the defense gave up 63. But the offense would be fun to watch. Yeah, Those would. would be fun to things to see that would give you at least some hope going forward. You're not going to see any hope. You weren't going to see any hope against Auburn. You're not going to see any hope against Alabama. And I hate – I don't mean that negatively. It's just the fact is, is they're that much more. They're much. They're, they're much. They're, I can't speak tonight. Yeah. They're that much more talented. Yes. Than we are, and it's not. And and but they're Auburn and Alabama. Okay. Auburn, Alabama, LSU are all going to be over over talented. Okay. So yeah, I don't even think it's going to be competitive. No, and it shouldn't be. But again, when you look at the last four games, that's. That is where the true judgment of Morris and this staff is, is, is what happens in those last four games, how the team responds, assuming that they don't quit, which we still haven't seen, and I don't think you'll see after the Alabama. Now, if you go to – if Mississippi State comes in our house and beats us by 20 points, then you have a serious – Then we're going to be in trouble. Yeah. So, I mean, so, so, so to me, that last four-game stretch is critical to whether or not Morris can come back. Um, I, I, I struggle – with this whole situation, and I've had this conversation with you guys. I've had this conversation with friends. I've had this conversation on social media. I don't, I'm not trying to be negative towards this staff or this fan base or this program, 
The last seven years have kind of made us all that way. But I struggle with what to do with the current situation. Because I saw on a message board earlier today somebody talking about how the next guy that we hire has to have the caveat that we're going to give him time. Why does the next guy get time but Morris doesn't? Just because you feel like he hasn't done enough this year, he doesn't get more time? That doesn't make much sense at all. Yeah, because here's the thing. It's not like Morris took over a well-oiled machine that he just had to plug a few pieces into and it well, was going to run you're, right. you're taking you're taking seven years of less than mediocre football and you're expecting this guy to turn it around in two? Right. And so, again, don't get me wrong. There are things that we've seen this year that are concerning. But how many of those things are, are, are happening just because of the lack of talent and the ability to execute what the team, what this what the staff wants them to run? So I'm trying to give, I'm, try, I'm trying to at least give a little bit of, of, of a pathway and a blueprint to what Morris needs to do to, to at least give, at least probably stay. I, Again, I don't know what's going to happen. None of us know what's going to happen in the year. Even if they lose every game, he may still get. He may still stay. I don't know. He'll he'll stay. But like but like I've been saying, they're going to go after the assistants first. I think I don't think Joe Craddock stays. I don't think any of the position coaches, except for like Barry Lunny, stays. Maybe. I just I don't know how you can implode the entire support staff and and be successful the next year. Like that to me, you know. Think about it. The, one of the big if he if he doesn't, he's going down with the sinking ship. But I mean. You know what? I'd rather see him go down with a sinking ship, that, ship that's been that's had some continuity. And I know, look, those guys can't get it done, than go down because he was forced to get rid of coordinators and bring new ones in. You know, I mean, now what, what's your opinion on all this, Will? We don't have enough time to go over it all, but okay. I mean, so give me the short of, synopsis. So my opinion kind of leans toward the same thing that Steve's saying as far as the coordinators go. So. We force our hand, so say you're, you're a check and you say, okay, you've got to make changes at both offensive and defensive coordinators. Who are you going to get that's out there that's legitim- legitimately good that's going to come in for a head coach that very well may get fired next year? Yes, coaching is a very high turnover position uh, job, but even then, I mean, you're going to have to pay them more than what they're worth to get them to come because of the volatility of the whole program as a whole. So I, I still don't, don't feel like we're opening up the whole playbook, though. Why does it feel like that they're... Well, we have to have an offensive line that can pass protect more than a one-and-a-half-step drop. Mm-hmm. I mean, you saw Auburn's defensive linemen, albeit NFL defensive linemen, they were in the, in the backfield before the snap got to Hicks. Yeah. I mean, all through the first half, and I'm just sitting there scratching my head like, what can they? What place can they run that, that can counter that? There's nothing. So Didn't you say, Steve, the screen pass? The, and the screen pass has worked. The problem, though, at times against Auburn was the defensive tackles were already on Hicks before he could there. throw a screen yeah. pass. So. And, I mean, it's designed to be that way because, you. I mean, as an offensive lineman, you're supposed to allow them to come by. But you at least want to chip them a little bit and slow them down before they, you know, at least make it act like you're trying to throw somewhat of a block, and then and then let them go. You want them to run because you want to take advantage of that over pursuit, and and the best plays that they ran were the screen passes. Now, against Auburn and Alabama, it, those just aren't going to work anyway. They're not; those are not going to be viable plays because the defensive tackles and defensive lines are too fast. But those are plays that will work very well when you play Mississippi State. But you're right; the offense hasn't been opened up, but. Can they open it up? Again, to Will's point, the offensive line is awful. Um, you know, and 
even when the offensive line is good, Starkle and Hicks, just neither one of them have been able to get the job done. So what – okay, so let me ask you this and, and, and as we, we close this up. Say you put KJ out there against Mississippi State and we lose. What's going to stop the fan base from saying the negativity and stuff toward KJ? Are we going to go after this kid after his first start and just completely bash his confidence? I don't I don't think so. And that's that's, that's so there will probably be a segment of the fan base. I think it'll be more let's say KJ goes out there and, and something, you know, and and had, throws a couple of interceptions and 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 has a really bad game. You're gonna have. The, I think your more likely scenarios. You're gonna have the fan, the fan, the, that segment of the fan base that's gonna be the "I told you so's." Told you he wasn't ready. Told you should have never played him. Now that could play right into Morris's hand. I don't know. Maybe. But again, just because you told me, you never knew it until you played. You never, you never, and, and that's the thing with college football. You never, never let go of an opportunity. If you have an opportunity to play a guy that you don't know how he's gonna react, play him. You've got four games to mess with. So, yeah. what, I mean, what do you – and, again, it comes back to the question. What do you have to lose? And I, and I agree with that. You know, um, a, a thing that Nikki uh, Chavanel wrote on, on Hogbeat, talking about whether or not um, Chad should – or if the question should be asked if whether or not Chad should, you know, maybe not take a commitment from Chandler or something along those lines. Basically, hard to see if, if the writing's on the wall that Morris isn't going to be here in year four. And, and my thought on that is if – if Morris is that worried about not being here in year four, yeah, that he's not going to recruit his son to come here, or he's going to, you know, or maybe not be upset if his son decides to go somewhere else, then why don't you go ahead and resign now? Like, because at the end of the day, one thing that I have seen about this staff that concerns me, and it may not be true, but this is the this is the impression that I get. I think a lot of times they coach scared, and and so I think they yeah, I can see that the, the Kentucky game, you you wouldn't you you just shut down before the half, you know? I mean, you didn't even try to do anything before halftime with with plenty of time because, again, you had to have the field. There was, what, 30, 55 seconds left? 50-something seconds left in the first half. I mean, you were at the 20, 20-something yard line, but you still could have gotten a field goal range. And, and again, but I feel like they were scared that Starkle may make a bad decision as bad as he was in that game. The same goes, I, you know, I had this conversation with somebody else on social media about, you know, playing KJ, and they're like, well, you know, if you play KJ, you risk getting him hurt. You risk getting KJ hurt whether he's playing in a game it's or the, in in the locker room or on in practice. You're risking him getting hurt, and if you're scared to play a guy like that, then you don't need to be coaching at this level. Like, and I'm not saying that Maurice is. I just feel like there are times where it seems like he does act scared, and and I don't know if it's just that he's afraid to put a guy out there before they're ready. That's fine. But you know what? This day and age. Put them out there. Let them learn. Let them figure it out. You have four games. Take advantage of it. Let yeah. the guys play. And so, to me, um, you know, when I think about that, it is it is concerning because I don't know what this staff is thinking in their heads on those situations. And, and again, it'll be very telling to see who the starter is in the Mississippi State game because it'll blow my mind if KJ doesn't play, whether it's start or play a significant amount of time in that game. It'll be very concerning to me. Right. Oh. Are we good on football talk, y'all? Phil? <laughs> oh, I'm sure I could come up with a did, few did we things. Did we get it all out there? <sighs> I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? I mean, I've, I, like, like I said, there, we could go at this a million different ways. But we got a little basketball talk coming up. Yeah. My first trip to Bud Walton Arena. Yeah. Coming up right after this on Inside the Natural State. 
Welcome back to Inside the Natural State. Zach and Steve alongside Will with you. So guys, I made my first trip to Bud Walton Arena over the weekend. It's about time. I know, right? 20 years, I've never been up there, and, and I finally get up there. He'd never been to Razorback Stadium either. So, you know, he I calls won't. himself a Razorback fan. Shut up, Steve. He's slowly making it now. I'm getting there. Hey, I've been, been, I have been, been to all, bomb. I've been to Bomb. Okay. I have been to Bomb. It's about time. I've been to Bomb, beautiful stadium. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you something real quick. My first trip to my first trip to Bomb or mm-hmm. uh, Bud Walton was was '08 or '09 when uh, Blake Griffin comes in mm-hmm. with OU. With OU, yep. man, I, I had uh, four level seats in that game, and holy crap, my. I don't know that I had a voice for four or five days. <laughs> I mean, it was just that much fun and. Man, it was like a four-point game we ended up winning. Man, yep. it was so much fun. Uh, and then we realized and found out real quick that Pelfrey was a fraud of a coach. Oh, man. I mean, we beat we – beat, oh, I mean, Oh, you in Texas in the same Blake year. Blake Griffin and Kevin Durant. And Kevin, the same yeah, and year. Kevin Durant the same and year. And we, and we go 2-14 and 14 in the SEC. Yeah. Uh, it was That so, was a rough year. So, how was your first Well, I had been down because you and I had gone into the little concourse underneath. Um, where all the trophies and everything were. Um, and, we, of course, we went into hog heaven when we went up for Colorado State. We had This was my first time upstairs in the court area. Right. Of course, we got there. Get, uh, doors opened at, like, 2. Game started at, or the, the, the uh, of course, it was the Nolan Richardson unveiling of, of Nolan Richardson Court. Right. That started at 3. And then history was made when UALR and Arkansas played. Right. Um, so we had, I had about an hour to kill. We ran into a couple of guys that that had season tickets, um, during the regular season. Well, this thing, it was 10 bucks, 10 bucks ahead and everywhere except for, um, I guess what they call the black seats. Right. Across from the press, uh, press tables was open seating. So if you got there early, you got floor seats. Yeah. Okay. We got it right next to, uh, UALR's bench and on the behind one of the goals and uh, I was on the floor dude first time at Bud Walton Arena and I was on the floor and all you could do was look up at this gigantic freaking video screen that I want one in my house good luck (laughs) right you could see this thing from space man yeah but the aura of that and just looking around and going man if this thing gets filled up to capacity this place could be rocking oh yeah it's loud when it's full you know, I walked up the little concourse area outside the arena, and they had the big, you know, the 94 people, the 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 game-winning shot, the mm-hmm. Thurman shot, 94, um, the Sports Illustrated, the the women's teams and everything. And, I mean, it, you could tell that it is. I mean, it holds the name Basketball Palace of Mid-America. All right? It lives up to its name. Yeah. And as a kid growing up in the 90s, it was a special day to be there for me. I got to meet Nolan Richardson in 99 before he left when he came down to North Little Rock. I got Big Nasty's autograph a few years later. You know? But being on the floor at Bud Walton and watching them unveil it, couldn't help but get a little bit of motion, yeah, man. pretty cool. I mean, M.A. was there, good old Mike was there, and, and nobody booed when he entered the court. Can, I'm going to interrupt you for a second. No, what's up? Why would people boo Mike? You have that contingent of, of 
I'm that contingent. I don't like. I, I thought Mike was. I didn't think Mike was a great coach. But, I just. But so, I, I have all. I have the utmost respect for Mike as basically every single Razorback fan should. Yeah. Mike never did anything wrong other than his style of coaching has passed him by. Yeah, and it, it, the league has passed him by. Well, and it's not just that, but it's a different game of basketball now, and everybody. And, and I think I think the fan base put too much on, too much stock in. This is the second coming of Nolan. This is going to work. That style of basketball doesn't fit anymore. Well, but that's just my. That's just my. That's it, my. It does if you adapt it. I mean, let's be real. What did? Well, not just Virginia. I mean, Muss is going to run something fairly similar to what. I mean, it's, but it's more organized. I mean, so so I'm curious. I know you were there firsthand. You know what were your what were your thoughts of the game, the team in general? Well, they looked a lot better than they did last year. I think uh, um, Isaiah Joe, his, his three-point shot has gotten immensely better than last year. But but is it better because he's that much better, or is it better because they're actually running sets and screens and getting him open for open shots? Well, and I think it's a combination of both. I really do. I think it's a combination. Because you don't see that what they call the pond water offense like you did last year. Guys standing at the three-point line just waiting to be open. Mm-hmm. Whether they had the ball or not, they were constantly making cuts. They were constantly moving around. The ball movement was better. They kept the ball moving. So, so you, that, that's the same style that, that, that Anderson ran. It's just he never forced them to run it in the way that Musselman runs it. Right. I think our biggest problem going into the season is our size. And if Connor yeah. Vanover, if Connor, Connor Vanover can get eligible, that's going to make a difference. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, now it'll make a it'll make a decent amount of difference. He because he is he's going to spread the floor. He's going to be able to bring the big guy from out from inside. Right. He. I mean, and he's going to rebound some, but he's not a big bulky. You know, bump, he's not going to bang down low. That's not. That's just not Vanover style. But he. Yeah, he will absolutely help from a size yeah. perspective. Um, a couple things we got to work on though. Of course, I've got my own. The refs during that game were just blind. You know, exhibition game and just it. Well, but I mean, there were blatant flat fouls that you could have seen from the top deck that the refs were standing right in front of, never called, yeah. but they'd call a walk on the other end of the court. Yeah. All right. It was it was really lopsided um, officiating, but again, that's fans' perspective. But overall, my expectation: we may or may not make the postseason, and if we don't, hey, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that because what I saw on the court. In just an exhibition game, I was getting excited about. And but we're th- we're going to be really dependent on that three point ball, though. Well, and I, I mean, we knew that though. So I mean, anybody that's followed Must knew that that's his offense. I mean, that's just what that's what Must that's what his teams are going to live and die on is the three. The difference is, is as long as he has guys that can shoot them and not. So the problem with Mike when he relied on the threes, he had one or two guys that can make a three and no one else could make a shot. Period. And so when you either shut down the one guy, say like an Isaiah Joe. And you got in his face, and he couldn't make it. He couldn't. He couldn't get an open shot. Then you shut down Arkansas's offense under Mike. They didn't run sets. The, so I only watched the first half of the game, um, and and what I got from the first half was they came out hot. They shot really well. Um, they're going to foul a lot. They are. Um, they're going to be very aggressive. They're going to foul a lot, and you're going to have some guys that they're going to use just for that purpose. Um, they're going to want to be physical. Um, they're going to shoot a lot of threes. 
they're going to block out. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was the other thing I saw was they were actually blocking out at the foul at, 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 on the the, the yeah. charity strike. Well, on any re- not just the charity strike, just on any rebound they were blocking out. They yeah, were, there was there was a couple were, of them. Well, that, they they blocked out way better than they have. In oh, absolutely. Past. And so those were things that I saw that were encouraging. I don't know. I mean, I'm, it's way too early to give any sort of expectation on what the it, it's it, that's true. Go. But given what we've been seeing the last couple of years going to be an exciting year of basketball. Yeah, well, but I think, so the fans, oh, this kind of brings me back to football and time and everything else. The basketball program is obviously way easier to rebuild. I mean, you, you're, you're talking, you know, five to eight guys, and if you can get one or two special elite talents, you can be turned turned around in a year. So basketball is a little different animal um, from that perspective. But I think the fans have got to be careful not to get too high or too low, which is going to be hard because – at this point, we're waiting on baseball, and and because football's pretty well over. Football, but, football's over, and there's a lot of unknowns yeah, with but, the basketball team. But so, so here's what's going to happen, though. And this is something that I saw on Saturday was, you know, they got that big run. They were up like nineteen to three. It was nineteen to three. And then you turn around, and it's like what twenty eight. They got within like six, I think. Well, and again, I, I saw it firsthand. That was the refs getting UALR back in it because there was there was there was some lopsided calls that they were calling for fouls and that whatnot. So still, it's a that's a sixteen point difference, and we didn't make shots. No, and, 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 and we and didn't, so, and we didn't. And, and but I agree with you. But about fifty percent of that was the refs getting UALR back but, in it. So, but my point on that is that um, is when you so the fans are going to have to understand there's going to be a lot of up and down. There will be times where this team will get stagnant, not really from a movement standpoint, but just from not making shots. Um, there's going to be times where the offense is going to get into into ruts. It won't feel like it did with 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 Anderson, I don't think. But, again, when, you, when you're when you a team that lives and dies by the three, there's just going to be times the shot's not going to yeah, fall. I didn't get that feeling at all. Oh, um, no. For, it was – for me, even if it's an exhibition game, that was, that was a heck of a game to go to and, and – Versus a Mike team, and again, I'm not taking anything away from Mike. This was a very exciting game of basketball. Yeah, you know. And then I made the SEC Network broadcast for those of you that were watching. Um, me and Big Red got into a, a little bit of a tassel with Cotton Candy. That was kind of fun. <laughs> Big Red hijacked Katie's phone and ran yeah. around and did Snapchat. I don't know if y'all saw the video yeah. of it, um, but I mean, overall, take your kids to a basketball game. What win or lose this year? It's an exciting brand of basketball. Yeah, and, and the cool thing is you talk about emotion on the sideline. Boy, Muss has got it. Yeah. <laughs> Muss has got it. He's coaching and playing on the sideline. Yeah. I mean, that, that dude, there's no wonder why he's as, he's as in shape as he is because that it, dude, he's nonstop working on the sideline. The cool thing about it, and I don't know if you, if you, if, if they panned it on the SEC broadcast or not, it wasn't just Muss that was getting up and getting – Oh, yeah. It, I mean, it was it was him, it was Corey Williams, and, and what was his – what's the other coach's name? I forget. But it, it, it was all three of the assi- – yeah. it was the all of the assistants – and Musk were all getting up at certain times and was pointing and jumping and, and hollering. It may not be we may not we may not make the postseason this year. But I'm telling you, Razorback fans, it's gonna be an exciting year of basketball. Well, and again, so some of this may be ironed out. So from a recruiting standpoint, some of this may be worked out before the season starts. I don't think it will, but I have an inkling that that there's gonna be one another name that's about to drop here. Pretty soon, hopefully, yeah. And um, if that name falls in line with with committing, then there's several names behind that that'll fall in line. Committing. Well, and and I tell you, you know, uh, uh, KK and Mo- Moses Moody were there, mm-hmm. and it looked like they were enjoying themselves too. Well, and those are the names that I'm talking about. So, um, I ex- 
expect KK to um, – I think KK commits here pretty soon. I, I'm curious. So, you guys got to meet my neighbor over the – well, you did. You got to meet I, my we neighbor. All, we weekend, all did. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, that was cool. And I, he had some interesting – I don't – That is a very tall 16-year-old. Yeah, yeah Jalen's a big boy. So, he but made, it was interesting. I like I like talking shop and basketball with those guys. So, I'm curious to kind of get their, their, their feedback of the game. But um, so – I, they 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 shared some interesting information with us. I thought on Saturday. I don't know if you picked up on it, but I, I they they shared some interesting information. Yeah, I got I got that um, feeling. And so um, I I really think though that um, I think KK is going to be a hog. If KK's a hog, I think Moses is going to be a hog. Now this is where it's important though, is in terms of the fan base. Right. I know you don't want to show up for football. Show up for basketball. So, and I'm telling Listen, you now, those tickets are not that expensive. No, they're cheap, and and, and it's a fun. There's not a bad seat in that. No, arena. and so and it's it is an absolute blast. You will have a you will have a blast again. But here's the thing: show up and get loud because if these guys, if they can get every one of these in-state guys committed, dude, you have no idea what the future looks. Let like. Let me tell you program. something though. Let me tell you something though. All right, I've been to War Memorial. I've been to Verizon Arena or Simmons Bank Arena. Damn it, it's all tell. Sorry. AVS. Yeah. AVS Arena. I've been to the arena in North Little Rock. Okay. Yeah. I've been to Razorback Stadium. Okay. I've been to Bomb Stadium. Been to Dickie Stevens. Anywhere that they played Razorback mm-hmm. Sports at. Now I can mark Bud Walton off the list. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you now, you've heard you've probably heard thousands of hog calls. Pack Bud Walton out and get a hog call going. It will send chills down your spine. And it's it's cool, but I'm gonna tell you, I don't know that. Well, I'll tell you right now, seventy five thousand, seventy two thousand, whatever it is, inside Razorback Stadium, excited and screaming is pretty awesome. But, buddy, I'm gonna tell you right now, there ain't a whole lot like Bomb Stadium. That that that, that, sucker that hog pen starts to rocking, man. I, it's hard. It's hard to pick but, out but, of any one of those. But man, I'm, uh, I'm telling you though. Go to a basketball game. Take your family to, yeah. to, to, to a basketball game. It, 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 it's not that expensive. Tickets are not that expensive. Yeah. Okay. Have a blast. You're going to have a blast either way. Yeah. Well, but again, they we need to support the basketball program. The, the apathy or anger or whatever you want to call it that's setting in on football. Don't let it we, roll into we, basketball. We need to bring some energy to Bud Walton Arena this Pack year. because it's going. Bud Walton. There's going to be some exciting moments. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So we want to thank Absolute. everybody for joining us this week. For Alongside Steve, Lynn, Will. We're not you, negative, I promise. <laughs> you've been listening to Inside the Natural State. So long, everybody. Woo pig. Woo pig. Remember to join us every week as Zach and Steve bring the best in fan reaction to Arkansas sports. Follow us on social media for the best of fan-driven, unfiltered content.